3: To a Celtic state of mind, I'm Paul John Dykes. I am joined by my usual Thursday cohort, JP Mason. How are you doing, JP?
1: Yeah, man, good. Uh, I kind of wish I was somewhere else um, at the moment, like possibly in another country. Not to be away from here or yourself, obviously, but uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was very close <laughs> last night.
3: You were throwing an opportunity last night that could have meant... You would have only been graced with one screen today, and it would have been me. JP was offered the the chance to go to this game. Talk us through it, JP, and why you decided to join me instead.
1: Well, I met Michael, who I go to the games with, and have been going to the games with uh, since '97. Um, you know, we've 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 been away in European trips, and in fact, the anniversaries of which have been the last. You know, in the last few days, you know, things popping up. You know, reminded me of Copenhagen. Um, you know, obviously just before lockdown and uh, prior to that, uh, Valencia, the year before. Mm. Um, and we've always gone and like kind of spent a few days in the city, you know, and sort of got a bit of time there rather than just doing the in and out. But Michael, <laughs> Michael came through to Glasgow last night and came to, my, came to King Tut's where I was working a show. And so I was kind of sort of half working the show and half kind of entertaining Michael. Um, and then as he got progressively more uh, well oiled on the on the, on the dark roots. Um, he was like, you know, you know, I've got a spare ticket, right? And I was like, I, I can't believe you have a spare ticket for this game. We've got 404 tickets and you've got a spare. And of, of course you have. You know, he's, he's the type of guy that if Celtic were playing on the moon, he'd have a spare ticket, you know. Um, and uh, he was like, just come, just come to the airport. Just All oh, you need your passport. And I was like, Michael, and he went, oh, I'll, 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 I'll square you up, you know, and you can just pay me back whenever. And I was like, and I went, how am I going to get on this plane, Michael? And he was like, well, I'll just phone the guy and I'll get you on and all that. I was like, it's not a number 61 bust, you know, like, I don't, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you, sure you can't just rock up. You're like, oh, any chance? <clears throat> but um, he was adamant and I was swithering, but, you know, it's a lot of money to go somewhere for a day. Uh, I do like going on the away trips. I love them. But I like going for a few days and, you know, getting to experience the city. And, and I know from, from what I've seen so far of Bodo, there's not probably a lot to see other than snow um, and the inside of a bar. Um, I heard from my friend James there that they're having uh, his pal Mike here in a hotel drinking £10 pints right now in Norway. Wow. So and I uh, also heard that it was uh, £6 for a coffee and stuff like that. So, I mean, good luck to anybody there with, with their, their, their bank balance coming back. Uh, Absolutely,
3: and- JP. As I was saying to you before, mate, I mean, I, I love the idea of it, but like you say, if you had gone maybe, were you a couple of pints down? No, you were working, so you, you had the, the sensible head on. Maybe if you were a wee bit more inebriated, you no, would have been have- at that airport
1: had a couple of pints after my shift so that's when you know my my guard started to drop a bit and I started (laughs) thinking about it being a realistic possibility and I was just like nah nah this is this is madness I mean to be fair I would have attempted to try and do this from (laughs) from from Bodo if if, uh, if I'd made it there because you know the the flight was leaving at like 7am so probably would have got in at like I don't know 10 or something like that so if I managed to find myself a quiet corner in, a, <laughs> in an establishment, you could have been speaking to me from there. But nah, I'll um, I'll pass this time and hope for another round. Who knows? Who knows what? Well,
3: happens. we will talk all about it. JP, it would have been interesting to dial you in from some airport or bar. Um, <laughs> of course, there is a there are a couple of acts contributors at the game, um, and hopefully, we'll get a few photographs from them and put it up on the socials as well. Just checking subs. Kelvin, if you got subs only commenting on the... Yeah, the man has got it sorted. So it's all about Celtic fans' opinions in the comments. So please keep the comments coming in if you're watching on any of the platforms. If you're on uh, YouTube, get yourself subscribing to the channel. There's loads of big... Uh, guests and sessions and features coming up. We have the St Mary's feature very close to completion, so we went down there. JP spoke to Karen Tom White about the uh, incredible uh, fundraising endeavours of the Celtic support. It was brilliant to see him down there. And just the history of that place, you know, with the Gortemur uh, Memorial statue and the uh, mosaic as you walk in, which inspired the Axon badge and then the, the Walford portrait once you get in there. Brilliant. So we'll have that up ASAP it, as did well.
1: Anything, did you say anything about, like, what was in immediate need of, of repair or anything like that? Because, well... You know, they have been deprived of cash?
3: They had um, a few, like, pressing... Issues, one of which was they couldn't even actually afford to switch on the radiator. So when you went into the uh, the chapel, it was frozen. Mm. Uh, so that's how skint they were. I mean, there's no way you can paint a different picture. They were also quite a bit in debt. And um, St. Alphonsus, which is the, the other chapel within the parish there, um, the roof is such that it can't it can't actually be used at the moment. So there was repairs required there. But then the community work that they're doing as well, they've taken in three refugees um, vulnerable and they're basically housing them. So that needs to be financed and it needs to be supported as well. So loads of great work being done within the community and also within the chapel itself. So it was great to see them and I'm really looking forward to putting that video out finally, JP, just to thank everybody for their support. Um, You mentioned Norway and it would be remiss of us not to mention some of the links that we've had. Some of the uh, players or managers even that we have imported from uh, Norway and we've had, correct me if I've missed anybody here, Vidal Rieseth, Harold Bratback, Thomas Ronya, remember him? Stefan Johansson, Chris Ayer and of course Ronnie Dyla. Um, when you think about a Norwegian imports, who do you think back most fondly on? Because, of course, none of the, the names I've just mentioned are still at the club.
1: I mean, you know, the, the much maligned Harold Bratback, um, you know, I, I, I saw him play probably most of his games for Celtic. And he was an extremely frustrating striker, you know, who definitely missed more opportunities than he scored. You know, there was a, a, an anniversary recently of a game where he scored four in one game. Mm-hmm. And Lil Z on Twitter, who puts up the On This Day highlights, <clears throat> put them up and I watched them back and it included all his misses in that game as well. He should have scored at least six. You know, Henrik Larsson was laying them on a plate for him. Um, but, you know, obviously you can't argue with somebody that scored four goals, but, you know, when you, when you see the, the opportunities that he missed. But he did score that all-important crucial goal, which, I mean, if you're of a certain vintage... You'll remember that day that at one 0 in that game that was an absolute whitey. And I'm pretty sure George Boyle had an opportunity for St Johnston to equalize. That goes in you know, history has changed, you know, forever mm. probably or possibly. Um and, you know, Bradback's back goal, you know, put the put the um the tin lid on the on the title and thank God it did. Um Again, I never got to celebrate properly that day. <laughs> I was ill in bed, but um, I certainly celebrated as much as I could because you know, and Bratback's name's you know etched in Celtic folklore now. So I mean, you can't you can't really go to utility player Vida reset over Harold Bratback or maybe even Ronnie Diala. You know, I did like Ronnie Diala. i had a lot, you know a lot of time for him. I thought he was a great a great guy, and you know, just maybe in at the wrong time at Celtic. You know, we'll see what how he does in the rest of his career. He's obviously done all right since he's left Celtic. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Nor- Norway and Celtic do have a bit of a a bit of a connection, eh?
3: The, you mentioned there uh, about Vida recess We've got the video where we demolish Rangers five one. You know the Marafchik game as I Mm -hmm. refer to it as Uh, he's on the front cover of that so I do recall uh, everything I I hear Vidar Resef's name I do think about that game he was part of that team but so was Tony Warner he was in goals for Celtic that day Um, Thomas Ronya, there's a strange photo of me and Thomas Ronya outside the ground um, 2000 and I don't know 12 or 13 or something Um, who knows where he's playing his football I've not googled that I'm pretty sure I could find it uh, easily enough Stefan Johansson quite liked him had a lot of energy um I thought we probably sold him a bit prematurely to be honest but I think he's at QPR now um, and he's playing pretty you well under the you know, really Fulham yeah, yeah and of course Ayer I was a massive fan of Chris Ayer I thought he was brilliant Um yes, thought he yes. would move on to big big things and he was one of Ronnie Dyler's, uh prodigies as was uh, Callum McGregor who we'll be talking about at some point today and Kieran Tierney who's been in the news for a proposed move to Spain uh, so we'll be having a wee chat about that so there's some of our Norwegian imports the tagline or the strap line, what are Celtic's European aspirations and do they match those of the fans, the reason I'm asking that there was an interesting um, uh, Twitter engagement t- between myself and Roger Mitchell on online on the social media um, looking at how we allow the standards to drop at Celtic uh, GP, as fans, how how we allow it, how how we buy into this uh, domestic goldfish bowl scenario. Um, so I think it's a good discussion point because this season is a wee bit different, I guess, from that. Where we're prioritising, you know, getting back on top, etc. And I think my biggest issue probably has been um, during the nine in a row era where there didn't really seem to be a European strategy. So we'll be talking about that and where we are now. Martin Davy is coming in on the YouTube. As I say, if you're watching on YouTube, get yourself subscribing on there. Loads of big content coming. Martin Davy says, "Good luck to the boys tonight. Two nothing, then extra time. I hope we'll get into what's going to happen tonight, JP. But the the way I kind of look at tonight is, you know, whether or not you agree with the Conference League or the fact that you've already been knocked out of Europe twice this season, but you're still in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, you've you've basically got to play." In the tournament that you're that you're part of, and against the team that you're that's in front of you, so I, I don't subscribe to this thing whereby we should be embarrassed to play in this competition. That's not our decision. These decisions are made, you know, much higher than than anybody at Celtic Football Club. Am I comfortable? We're dropping out of two competitions and being in the the third kind of tier. I think it could be done better. I think there probably could be an extension of the Champions League, where it is a league system throughout a, a, a calendar year, throughout a season, where clubs might drop up and down. I mean, I'm pretty sure it could be done better. Um, but it doesn't seem to have captured the imagination of the Celtic fans. Where are you on the Conference League?
1: Well, I mean, you say that, but there was a lot of scaremongering last week about the attendance. I mean, the, uh, there was a guy put up a screenshot saying... <laughs> Disgraceful from Celtic fans, you know, where, where are all the fans that turn out for the for the big games or the so-called big games? And then a guy replied and went, wait a minute, mate, you, you might have these big patches of seats that are available, but if you actually zoom in on them, there's only like maybe one or two mm. or three or four seats, you know, dotted around in that section. So when it's zoomed right out, it looks like that whole section's available. But when you zoom in, there's actually only individual seats. And then yeah. lo and behold, you go into the ground last Thursday, pretty full you know it was I mean £35 a ticket a Thursday night A Thursday night, freezing cold mm-hmm. not everybody's got a lot of money at the moment post you know I'll not say post-pandemic we're still kind of in it um, you know so I, I, don't, I don't really think you can say that people were kind of turning their nose up at it I mean the fan. The fans were there last Thursday unfortunately the team didn't t- turn up as much as the fans you know like i <clears throat> The team's given us a lot this season. I don't want to be too harsh, but there was a lot of players not at it last Thursday. Um And the, <clears throat> with regards to the competition, and the, the, the competition itself, not Bodo Blint, but the competition, yeah, you're right. We can only play what we're, what we're put into. And our European strategy over the last few years has been, you know, checkered at best. I mean, mm. we've had moments of, Amazing, you know, success like beating Lazio home and away that happened, you know, within within the 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 nine in a row uh, era, and you know, but then there's obviously disastrous moments in that as well. The last season in particular was horrible. You know, it was just absolute well. I mean, you say that. I mean, we got two 0 up in the San Siro, and we just couldn't hold it together. We we did did really well against Lille away as well,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, but we were just absolutely humiliated by Sparta Prague, home and away. Um, But I know I saw the the Twitter exchange and I I, I get that, you know, there has been a bit of blinkers about Celtic strategy in recent times and focusing just on domestic domination. But I I would hope now that it kind of feels like a new, well, it is a new era because it's, you've not got a Brendan Rodgers or a Neil Lennon, you know, who... Are previously sort of tied to the club in a way, you know. Ange Postecoglou has just come in and went right, okay, well, I'm I'm going to start from scratch here, and he yeah. has that. I know we've still mm-hmm. got several players from previous previous management uh, uh, periods, but it's 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 his it's his sort of house to build now, and just I, I guess we just have to go along. I mean, the fact that the fact that we made it into a European knockout competition. Um, or a, a, the Europa League in the first place for me was borderline miraculous mm-hmm. and the fact that we've got out of that group having won away and at home against Ferenc a team that put us out of the Champions League qualifiers to get to this stage even though it's not the stage we'd want to be at it's still a pretty good achievement I think and whatever happens tonight happens you know it's, it's, <laughs> I've seen the pictures of what it looks like over there it's not ideal conditions if If players were kind of wincing at the cold Celtic Park conditions on Sunday against Dundee, then God help them tonight because (laughs) it looks looks pretty mental.
3: I've been reading uh, around the concerns regarding the conditions, JP, uh, and the artificial pitch. And that's the next thing we should talk about, I think. Uh, We've decided not to train. On their their pitch before the game Uh, So sub-zero temperatures At minus 13 degree wind chill With the chance of snow tonight (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I look at that And yeah, it's a bit colder than than we're used to But surely, you know, Celtic as a team Are used to plastic pitches, you know, for a start because mm. we have played on you know a number of plastic pitches over the, the last few seasons uh, domestically. And, you know, like you say, it's no Betty Roses playing in Scottish football, is it? It's not as though we get loads of blazing sunshine and uh, nice temperatures. Exactly. Um, what, it will it play a part? Or do you think there's been a lot made of that?
1: I think the, the pitch itself is probably going to play a bigger part than, than, than the weather, I would have thought. Just... I don't know. It, it just feels weird playing on a plastic pitch. And, it, you know, you go to places like Hamilton and, uh, you know, like Kilmarnock and stuff like that and it, it just, it, it doesn't feel right. And I don't know if we play, I, it'd be interesting to speak to the players and get a, an honest answer from them how they feel about it. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if any anybody, any of the pressers has ever asked a player, mm. how do you feel about playing in a plastic pitch? Because, and you you know just what, give and, and,
3: me. A, you give me my next question, mate. The next time I'm in one of these pressers, well, because I think that's. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that's been asked.
1: Because I mean, I mean, I'd, I'd like to hear an honest answer. You get. You probably would get an honest answer if it, if it was the fan pressers. I doubt. that. If
3: it was, was, like, was Jack Amakis, you would.
1: Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. He's not shy of uh, saying how he feels. But uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I'm fine with that. I, I I know people were kind of like, going, oh, we shouldn't say that, and it's like, well, we did just batter them three Hmm. And you know, he's 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 full of confidence after scoring a hat trick that meant something. Wasn't just a throwaway hat trick and a and a three or a four nil victory. It was a three two hat trick that you know, all three of those goals were massively important on Sunday. Um, so yeah, the guy's obviously flying and, you know, really starting to sort of buy into the buy into the club and, and the whole the whole the whole sort of uh, aura of being a Celtic striker you know, like Celtic strikers have been something that we've all loved throughout the years you know, whether you go back to my first striker, the, the, the whole reason I support Celtic is because of a Celtic striker in Frank Mac, if any. Mm-hmm. Um Scottish Cup final 88 and then the subsequent strikers after that you know, um, going into sort of the, the 90s like Cadetti and Van Hoydonk, I mean those guys were
2: based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com internet for details.
4: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
1: Like demigods to me when I was a big guy. So, um, you know, I could only imagine that if you're a wee guy now, Jack Amakis will be, you know, heading towards that right now. You know, you're a wee, you know, eight nine year old kid, and you're seeing this guy score a hat trick. That that's a, I mean, it's a big deal to us. So when you, with a wee guy that you're really more impressionable, and um, you know, he he he's clearly loving the adulation, and it's it's cool to see somebody. Come in who's had a tough time and, you know, had his had his critics and rightly so, you know, the, 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 but at the same time, you've got to allow uh, somebody to, to sort of prove their worth and, and he's, he's starting to do that. And hopefully the number seven jersey not going to weigh too heavy on him like it has on, on other, uh, other strikers. Oh, it, yeah, yeah.
3: Quite a few. It's almost like Poison Chalice, some of these yeah. short numbers. Um, and I think, see, when you're, you're looking at the, the the fact that he has turned it around, I guess. I mean, some people reckon that we were writing him off on a Celtic state of mind. I was concerned at some of his performances. I thought that, um, you know, early on, his first touch was poor. Um, mm-hmm. He was holding the ball up. He was winning three kicks and I was asking, is that enough? And I, I appreciate that when you're holding the ball off and uh, you know, you're know you closing defenders down and you're creating pockets of space elsewhere, JP. But I was asking myself, is it enough? Because when you name some of the great strikers that you've already named, plus the great striker we've got at our club at the moment in Kyogo, um, and it's unfair to compare them specifically as a player, but the impact of both players was completely different. Mm. Um, and th- there was a frustration that we'd, we were without a striker, really. You know, my edis came in and, and you know lessened that blow a wee bit. But we were in a situation against St. Johnson where we had to play Joey Dawson. That's how bad it was. When was that? And that was Boxing Day, wasn't it? Yeah. When we went up to McDermott. So in Boxing Day, we're having to, to line up with Joey Dawson. Um and my, my kind of view, of Yakimakis, wasn't based on his penalty miss against Livingston. It absolutely wasn't based on that. It was more of his all round play. And um then people thought I was having a go him because I had a note of his involvement in the game but I've got to note every player's involvement because when I watch it if I don't take notes I won't have much to talk about after the game because my analysis unless I'm writing it down it's just as a fan I'm just sitting watching it and enjoying it as a fan uh, JP so I was delighted with with his hat trick Um, I think after the game I'm going to pinpoint an, an interview that Aidan McGeady's given recently I'm not sure when it was given but he gave it to the Everton TV and he was basically looking through his career and he was talking about his time at Celtic and how almost um, by means of survival at that age, um, as a Celtic player, he had to have a bit of arrogance. And he explains it now, looking back, you can see that he was a bit arrogant and he talks openly about it. He says, but you know what? I'm glad I did because he needed a bit of arrogance to manage the scenario that he was in. Young guy, known by everybody, goldfish bowl of Glasgow, and he needed a bit of arrogance. So people are saying, well, that comes across as arrogant when Yakimakis comes off the park. And, and talks about winning the league or believing that that we can win the league, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I've never taken I've never taken that as arrogance. And if it is, it's arrogance in a way that you know what we didn't have that self belief last season. JP, I never seen a player coming out with that cape, same kind of self belief and fight and confidence. Uh, maybe a wee bit of the old Glasgow gallus, maybe not so much arrogance. So after the game, when I heard that it he said it, and obviously that's a. You know, a headline writer's dream, isn't it? When a striker comes out and says that, I didn't, I didn't think too much of it, to be honest with you. And obviously, Amy and I spoke about it on Monday, and I was on that side <laughs> of the fence, and Amy was like, you know, keep it in house, keep it within the dressing room. I'm okay with it. Got to be honest, I, I'm absolutely fine with that. No problem at all. What's your take on it?
1: Aye, I, I mean, I, like I say, I don't, I don't, I don't get too concerned about it. I mean, I, I didn't see it and immediately go, oh no, what's he said that for? You know. That's a bit much, or whatever. I kind of just thought. It, I also thought, do you know what? He's not going to have said that without the say so. I don't think he's gone rogue to say that. Like, that's that's probably been okayed. You know, I, I very much. Doubt, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, Postacoglio will have grabbed him by the scuff of the neck when he comes out of that press conference and and given him a tight. I very much doubt that. <laughs> I, I mean, have you have you seen Ange Postecoglou's press conferences, or you know, either at Celtic or in the past? I, I very, I think he, I think Postecoglou would probably love it. You know, like love the fact that his players have got that confidence and that he's instilled that confidence in them, because um, he's made that point of saying that he doesn't really go in the dressing room much, and you know, yeah. and he just he just sort of lets lets the environment, you know, you know, sort of. Uh, Manifest itself, if that's the right word, you know. Like, it, <clears throat> let's. It, it, I think he's quite confident about the type of people that he's brought to the club, the type of people that are already at the club, and you can see that he's, uh, you know, filtering out the people that he wants to be there and not being there. And you know, it was no surprise that, you know, Golly is away. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, but the thing that he did last last season. You, some people might have managed to get over it and forget about it but <laughs> that's,
3: that's arrogance that's for me that's arrogance to, to believe that you, can, you know to get away with that what Yakimakis is said is is just self-belief you know
1: yeah if if, if Golly had done that under Posta then hell mend him and it's not as if Posta is not going to come in and know what what he did you know I'm pretty sure he probably gave him an opportunity and has given him an opportunity to play as he had as he did at Livingston and maybe in one other, one other game, but um, somebody, I don't know if we spoke about this before, but somebody made the point of the fact that the press knew that Bolingoli had gone to Spain. Mm. They could have broke that story, but they allowed they allowed it to happen. They allowed Bolingoli to play in that game, despite knowing it, and then blew the story after he played in that game, thus affecting uh, the whole COVID thing. And, and, uh, you know that that led to the the furore over over the the fact that he played and um, you know the sanctions and everything that were imposed. So I, I can't remember where I heard that or who said it, but I've, I've definitely uh, ingested that at some point recently. And uh, somebody could prove me wrong or tell me wrong. Maybe we'd ask ask the the main man Tony Haggerty if he's got any inside scoop on that. But that to me is that's quite snide, like to. To, to To think that 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 was that was done, you know, deliberately. So it's almost like, oh, we, we've got something on him, but we'll hold it because for maximum. That picture, yeah, that's my impact. Him, yeah, a picture of him on the plane that suddenly appears. What three, two days later after the game, it's a bit mysterious. Um, but Ball and Golly going away. I mean, I mean, with everything that's going on in that side of the world right now, you know, I mean, that's the last place surely anybody would want to go, but. He obviously wants to go and play football and and, and resurrect his career because his career's just stagnated at Celtic, you know, since since that and uh, since that incident and uh, and yeah. So I mean, the, the, the people that the people that are at Celtic right now are clearly, you know, enjoying the the, the environment and behaving themselves. You'd like to think, unless mm. <laughs> some story gets spilled tomorrow that that totally scuppers any idea of, uh, of that.
3: Uh-huh. I hope yeah. none of them drive a blue Lamborghini. Um, yeah. You were you were talking about plastic pitches, right? I, I do remember speaking. Can you remember when Dunfermline Athletic laid the artificial surface at East End Park?
1: Yeah, um, it. It. did we, you? We, had, we hired it out. Yeah, me and my mates that I played football with in Edinburgh hired it out mm-hmm. one Sunday and and played on the played on the hallowed turf of East End Park. We didn't get to hear the the Dunfermline song though, which was a. Um, a pastiche of the EastEnders. Uh, oh, yeah. The, I know all about that.
3: Yeah. 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 You know, you have you've taken me on a wee bit of a diversion here. However, I'm going to have to go down this road now that you brought it up, JP. So that song, the EastEnders mm-hmm. pastiche that you refer to, it's probably on YouTube because I remember seeing the video of all the guys, including the late Norrie McCarthy, singing along. That song was the brainchild of Blair Morgan, who was quite a Maybe. famous... Football agent at the time. Aye. Aye. So he was, you know, Duncan Ferguson's agent. The aforementioned George O'Boyle, Isfan fan Cosma, Dun- Duncan Ferguson, Andre Kinchelskis. Um and his daughter actually married John Potter, who played with Celtic and who's now, I believe, at Queen's Park. Good mm-hmm. guy, John. Um, so he was responsible for it, Blair Morgan, that, that particular song. But I thought you were going to mention Into the Valley by Skids. I thought you were going to mention oh,
1: that. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, a bit uh, later on, probably.
3: Yeah.
1: I don't remember when the East Enders one was, but I definitely remember being at a game, a Celtic game away, and then hearing that and thinking it was absolutely hilarious. Blair Morgan was Mark Butchell's agent, if I remember rightly, as well. And maybe Keegan Parker as well, who was from my neck of the woods. would not surprise me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Keegan Parker.
3: I remember him, yeah. I remember Mark Mark Butchell um, at that time was touted as Scotland's Michael Owen. Yeah. Um, now this will actually bleed into the discussion we're going to have around Celtic as a European force, et cetera, as well, because part of that is in player development um, within the academy. What's the academy doing for us? But the PARS pitch, the reason I went on to the PARS and you've played on the park, I've never played at East End, was I did speak to quite a few players who played on that artificial uh, surface and they said it was absolutely rotten. And yeah. there was an, a, a real increase in injuries, Around about the Dunfermline players at that time during the squad, but I think that particular type of AstroTurf was poor. The grading was pretty poor. Like you know, it was almost like carpet tiles, mm. and there there were some images around about that time, JP, where some of the wee squares were lifting up, and you could actually mm. see somebody going in for a tackle and the carpet tile lifting up. So I think right. we've probably advanced since then.
1: Like Hamden, when Rogic went and hit the penalty, and the and the ground went up. That uh, I know that wasn't a plastic pitch, but I'm just thinking of like the panels of a pitch getting lifted I up. I and mean, you zoom in on that shot when Rogic takes that penalty, and the ball like lifts off the ground because of the when he plans <laughs> to, to take the shot, the ball goes up. I, I, I still can't believe that actually happened. That was ridiculous. I mean, I, I wonder if that square hadn't moved. Think about it. I wonder if that square had moved and he'd scored that penalty and we'd beaten them in that game. Mm. What happens? What happens? Does Rogers come? You know, it's like that that tiny wee thing. By the way, also, not to go completely on a tangent, today is the anniversary of the last Brendan Rogers Celtic game. Celtic 4, Motherwell won 24th of February 2019. Two days later, he was announced as Leicester manager. Wow. And also, Today was the day that Neil Lennon resigned in 2021, 24th of February, 2021. I see. Somebody retweeted the Celtic tweet from that day. Um, so quite a quite a strange strange fact that those two things happened on the same day. Um, and
3: today's the day that Mark Hughes gets the job at Bradford. But again, that's another chapter.
1: <laughs> right. We're going to talk about
3: trusting the process, right? Because we were hearing all last season keep the faith now I love I love the terminology keep the faith Northern soul. keep the faith I've ran my my race you know all that kind of mm. stuff love it however I thought it was almost like a go-to last season to just kind of like there was almost a blind loyalty uh, to Celtic and to Lenny last season where it was uh, yeah, keep the faith and, but we're rubbish you know it's mm. fallen apart around our ears And keep the faith was the go-to. It was a mantra. But we've heard a lot about, you know, trusting the process and keeping the faith this season. And um, we've seen the best of it. We've seen the best of Angie's philosophy and style as well. And I would maybe use the Rangers game as an example of that, JP, where everything seemed to come together. Uh, At 3-0, when you watch the game back, it could have been anything that in that first half and I just think we took the foot off the throttle in the second half and you know if we did have to pick it up we could have done we were flying that night Um, and I think we've seen the system coming up against real opposition and us grinding out results just for two examples, the two Dundee results at Celtic Park, Dundee mm-hmm. United's uh, last-minute goal, where I seen uh, the the amount of people waiting to watch our uh, broadcast fall by about five hundred when Abada scored that winner, <laughs> and then the Dundee game. Obviously, at the weekend we had to grind that result out. It was a tough day at the office and all this kind of stuff. We got we come up against Bodo Glimt, and I was looking forward to it because I was using examples of other teams we would come up against JP that played kind of open, expansive football and the fact that it suited Celtic because it allowed us to, you know, we, we didn't have the two banks of defence, defenders to break down. It was more open and, and we could play the this brand of football that Ange has introduced. It didn't quite go to plan. Um, but what I'm keeping uh, in terms of a positive is the fact that the way Celtic played against Bodo Glimt, we, we were nowhere near our best. So I don't yeah. think that you know, had we performed the way perhaps we performed against Rangers and, and in some other games this season, particularly in Europe, you know, we're not getting tanked 3 1. Um, now, I'm, I'm taking that as a positive going into this game tonight because we're n- there's no way Celtic are going to be as bad as they were. Famous last words. Um, th- there's no way we're going to, you know, not implement our own playing style like we did last Thursday. Um, and I believe that. You know, it's a bit of a cliche, but the early goal is going to be massive. But I believe Celtic will score out there. I think we'll win the game. I'm not sure we'll win the tie. Um, what's your view on that, the, the, the keeping the faith? Is it blind faith?
1: No, I think once you're given, once you're given reason to believe, you know, and Neil Lennon had given us reason to believe with things like Lazio away, Lazio home, you know, um, the victory at Ibrox, Johnny Hayes scoring, mm-hmm. um there'd been indicators from him that although there was a lot of kind of doubts over him being given the job uh full-time in the showers or wherever he got it um, there was enough there was enough there there was enough there you know for you to hang on to something but as that started to erode with things like sparta prague 4-1 at home sparta prague 4-1 away I don't want to go on about the Rangers games last season because I, I do feel that there was mitigating circumstances around, certainly the first one anyway, um, you know, the the 2-0 where we, he basically said he had to throw a side together the night before with the players that he had available. And you've got Welsh coming in who's inexperienced and, you know, it just it was it was a bit all over the place. But with Postacoglu, he's giving you, although we had the bumps early on in the road, um, the bumps in the road being Livingston away, you know, I was there that day and it it was not pleasant. Mm. Uh, You know, uh, hearts away the first game of the season that people just were getting to know each other's names at that point. But there was indicators in Europe with the uh, Alkmaar game, even the Michelin game, there was indicators there that we were kind of about to go on the right path. So, you know, despite Thursday's result last week, I mean, I did see a lot of negativity flying around online, which was definitely unwarranted. Um, and as usual, people were going for individual players. And I think I think that's so unfair when you just see players getting targeted individually because the whole team didn't play well last Thursday. I think it's really unfair to go after, you know, I don't know, likes of Greg Taylor. Suddenly Greg Taylor's, you know, damaged goods, get him out, get him out. You know, like, he was brilliant against Rangers. Everybody was, like, having to eat humble pie on that front, you know. Um, the people that, you know, had uh, spouted nonsense about him and then they're, they're having to go, well, i tell you what, best best game in a, a Celtic jersey for Greg Taylor tonight. And then all of a sudden, Disney play well against Bodo and everyone just ignores the fact that Jota didn't play well, Abada didn't play that well, um, you know. It, Roget, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah, and all these, all these, like the the, the sort of more, more uh, flashy, flashy names in the team didn't perform well either. Hence, why we got beat three one. I think the third goal, I turned. So the guy next to me, I, I really can't stand it when people turn up that aren't the usual people around about. you. I get, I get really paranoid about that when like the usual people aren't next to me. Like Paul he wasn't there last week. Mark wasn't there in front of me and I gave him a tight on Sunday. I was like, you better not miss another game because <laughs> we, we won on Sunday. But there was a guy sitting next to me and the stuff he was coming out with, expect, like, within five minutes, he called Starfelt and I don't want to, I'm going to use the word, he, he called him a Mongo B, right? Use the word Mongo. And I, and, and I, wanted, I really, why to turn around and just go, man? That's not acceptable here, man. That like I don't know who, who you are, where you're from. I've never seen you before. You've got a ticket for this game, and you're sitting next to me, and you're using that language. And I, and it's I, despicable. I, I've got to sit next to this guy for another eighty five minutes potentially. You know if he decides to stay for the full ninety. Um. So I didn't. I didn't did pull him up. And then the next thing he's calling Maeda a baldy, C, and uh, a, a fraud, and. Uh, get him off, he's, he's this, he's that. And then Maeda scores. And his mate made eye contact with me and sort of smiled. And I tapped him and I went, I fraud I And he went, nah, he needs to score another two. He needs to score another two. He's still a fraud if he doesn't score another two. And I was just like, wow, wow. Some people are.
2: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com Internet for details.
4: This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust.
1: but yeah, I mean I I think I turned to the guys behind me and I said, We need to score a goal here and we got the goal and then within a few minutes they go up and get a deflection and um uh, and, and get the third and I, I don't want to think that the third's killed us, but it's it's certainly that that's put a massive, massive dent in, in our chances of getting through tonight. I think if it was two one, I might have made that flight this morning. <laughs> um but, uh, no, I, 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 we've still got a chance. Of course, we've still got a chance. We, we, we've seen our away performances, Betis, Leverkusen, would give you enough food for thought to think that we can go over there and do something tonight. Um, the flip of that is that we got hammered 4-0 at home off Leverkusen, but anybody that remembers that game will remember that game could have been any score that day because um, we played all right, actually, but still managed to be on the end of a 4-0 cuffing. Um but yeah, I, 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 I'm. I don't know. It's Celtic in Europe. Who knows? <laughs> We've seen the film many, many times before, um, and who knows what film we're going to watch tonight? But it, it should it be an exciting one. I think. I, 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 I don't think that they are home and hosed just yet. See, when you th- you think about the. I'm going to get onto this.
3: Some of the, the discussions that I've seen online since last week's game around the selection and playing a weekend side, I, I want to talk about that a, a, a wee bit as well, JB, but that story you've just told me there where you're in this stadium which means so much. I mean, we talk about a Celtic state of mind and mm. the, the community aspect of being in amongst people that you regard as being of... A similar or the same state of mind, be that politically or um, in terms of your your charitable ethos and um, I've always felt that there's a huge amount of kind of culture in and around, and I mean culture in terms of the arts and theatre and movies and music and um, the Celtic support are my type of people, you know, and I've always felt that, I've always felt when I'm at a Celtic game that you yeah, are shoulder to shoulder with, with people that are like-minded and, you know, that term Celtic-minded came up a long, long time ago and a wee turn of that phrase on a Celtic state of mind but when you tell the story that you've just told there, I find it despicable that that and listen he's a Celtic fan I'm guessing uh, because he's at the game cheering mm. on Celtic but I, I just can't regard somebody like that as being anywhere near the same kind of yeah. ilk as yeah. as the many great people that I know that support Celtic I mean that kind of language is despicable oh. and it yeah. puts you it puts you in a position though you know as as a innocent bystander who is just there hearing this absolute trash coming out of his mouth because you're then given that, that uh, scenario. What do you do? Do you pull him up? Because if you put, you don't know he's, you know, he's an unknown quantity to you, JP. You don't know who the guy is. I just think it's despicable, but it puts you in a position whereby you you know that you want to pull him up because you're offended by what he said. Mm -hmm. But, then the heat goes on you because he's an unknown quantity. It's a yeah. difficult one for a lot of people at the football. I've, I've seen and heard people being shouted down before, and long may that continue. But yeah, absolutely. Get your uh, your normal comrades back in their seats.
1: He, he didn't shout it. Uh, he just sort of said it, you know, just, uh, you know, like speaking volume, you know, he didn't like bellow it. But he said it loud enough for me to hear because I was sitting next to him and I was just like, wow, that's so, so... You know, it's say, horrific,
3: horrific. Yeah. Mr. Webb says it right. Uh, anyone targeting uh, anyone with a disability uh, or anyone in a minority is. Like, you know, you, you go right back though talking about minorities, right? You go right back to the formation of the club. We've been talking about Saint Mary's earlier. Um, you know, the formation of the club, the the, the you know the actual statue in the grounds of Saint Mary's, talking about and more you know, and you think there's a why. Why was Celtic even founded? Because forty years after the Great Hunger, the Irish were still being treated as second-class citizens, unemployable, you know, uneducated. That they weren't given opportunities. Let's set up a football club and and let's feed, uh, you know, the poverty-stricken kids who have come over from Ireland within the parishes, within the three parishes. And for Celtic fans, that that for me is exactly what. And if you know the history, it means. You've got to know the roots of the club, and it and it actually follows you in life, doesn't it? Because you would never allow anyone uh, to be marginalised like that. I mean, that that's pathetic. Whoever that is, that that individual that you mentioned.
1: Yeah, I hope I hope we don't see them again. I mean, I did, uh, the guy that sits next to me normally was back in his seat on Sunday. And I said I said to him when he arrived, I went here. Those guys that were here at the Bodo um, Glimp game having again to do with you have that because you know <clears throat> it could have been that it was his friends or something that he'd given the tickets to and he went oh no no he says I, 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 I've uh, he was like he, he basically said I couldn't afford to come and um, he was quite honest with me he was like I couldn't afford the you know the extra the extra cost and I was like fair play and um, so he said no that whoever was here nothing to do with me and I told him and he was absolutely appalled that somebody mm-hmm. had sat in his seat that he sits in for all the home games and had used that sort of language and um, he was he was he was he was raging actually and um, oh. So, well
3: they're, rep- they're representing Celtic I always remember uh, speaking sorry. to again this is the Claxton because I'm going to have to do a big name drop here but I was speaking to Sean Fallon about uh, representing Celtic, it was so important to Sean Fallon and mm-hmm. how Celtic were represented and he did speak about the fact that every time you're wearing a Celtic jersey you're representing the club it doesn't matter mm-hmm. where you are but whatever you do and you behave you'll be Celtic mm-hmm. fan you know enter here does enter here, it could be anything um, but you've got a Celtic top on and you know. Oh. And I think when they're sitting on your seat you might almost feel as though they're representing you as well because like you say, it could have been you've got a ticket, you've given it to somebody you know they're sitting in your seat and they're behaving like that um, No, but it's, it is it's so disappointing because you do feel that there's a shared mentality and thought I think there is, generally, I think there's a minority, JP you guys well, like that.
1: I mean, There's no way that you're telling me that, that, that his language is, is something that you would hear from you could go along the row for another, like right round for another five, six hundred people and not find somebody else that would use that, <clears throat> that sort of language. So, I mean, I'm well aware that it is a minority, but it was it was really disappointing to, to hear. And I've, I've heard stuff when I've been on away trips and things like that. And, and I have actually said to somebody, by the way, we are wearing this healthy strip, you're representing the club. And people here, you know, have no, you know, from yesterday didn't know who Celtic are, today they do know who Celtic are and you're you're the image that they will remember and what they hear from mm. you will be the image that they remember um, and you want it to be a positive one, you know, and overwhelmingly positive it has been in all the trips that I've been on, you know, I've very rarely seen any bother I, I, you know, Amsterdam away, there was a bit of bother with some fans throwing some stuff at us as we went into the stadium, but in the actual Middle of the city and everything. I didn't have, have any bother. This is the two thousand and one one I'm talking about, by the way, not the not the infamous one where they they, they sort of turned up in you know uh, plain clothes or just amb- I think it was like a kind of ambush sort of thing where it had all been arranged and they were all just in amongst the Celtic fans and then at the at the stroke of a, a of a of a watch they just all jumped the Celtic fans. That's that's how I've been there. Uh, uh, Told that happened, um, but yeah, you, you just you don't want you don't want the club being misrepresented anywhere, you know, no. Scotland, you know, Europe, for for you know mainland Europe, you just you just want people to have a good impression of the club.
3: Oh, definitely, and there's a few comments coming through actually, uh, JP, where people had similar uh, experiences at the game. Martin K had a similar experience last week at the polo game, so very unfortunate indeed. But I'm going to talk about. Resting players. It's been a topic of conversation uh, for a wee while actually because Jim Moore is a great believer in uh, last season and this season put Europe on the back. But I find that hard to accept as a Celtic fan. Now, I didn't grow up in a golden era of Celtic in Europe. It's not mm. as though I, I, I had that experience myself. Growing up in the 80s and 90s, we had very little to, to shout about on a European kind of front. It was the the stories and the tales of the sixties and seventies that we were still being fed for the you know the first twenty years in my life certainly JP, and then the reputation in Europe started to be rebuilt under Martin O'Neill. So I don't have this kind of like expectancy because I grew up with Celtic playing in a lot of stages of Europe. But I go into every single season. We're talking about aspirations, expectations, your ambitions as a Celtic fan, and I go into every season hoping to be in Europe after Christmas. That's always what. I hope to be the case. Um, However, if we're to get knocked out tonight, JP, I would still feel as though it's been a a bit of a failure of a European campaign. Now, I don't know if that's because we've been knocked out a couple of competitions on the way. I'm not sure if that's the reason why it would feel that way. Um, Or maybe going into the game against Bodo Glimt, I didn't expect to win the game, but I certainly felt we'd have put a better uh, representation of ourselves against Bodo Glimps last week on the park. Um, so going into the game tonight, I know what uh, Jim Moore's response to this would be. He would play a weakened team. I don't think Ange Borsicoglu thinks in that same uh, vein. And I yeah. certainly don't. I, I think you've got to you've got to be careful. We've got a big game on Sunday. I get that. Um, and I don't think we'll play what would be the strongest 11. I think there will be some changes. But I think largely it's going to be a very strong side that Celtic put out tonight. How, how would you play it?
1: I I mean there's no way he's he's putting out a weakened team. I, mean, I don't know who I don't know the squad that's travelled, but I mean it's certainly not going to be a youth team that he puts out or, you know, peppered with you know an Owen Moffat or a Dane Murray or anybody like that. You know, that this is a it'll be a a first team Celtic to go out tonight. And I saw we obviously we got slagged last week for getting beat off um, you know, a team with or a club by a club that doesn't have you know, a strong European stature. But, I mean, they, they absolutely dismantled Roma 6-1 at home. You know, that, and that's definitely not something that you can just sort of go, oh, oh well, you know, that was just a, a one-off. If everybody's bumping their guns gums about, you know, Rangers winning in uh, Dortmund, then, you know, it, it, you know it, that's a standalone result. You know, if that game was played again, would the scoreline be the same? Probably not if the Roma-Bodo-Glimp game was played again, would they, would, they, would they win 6-1? Maybe maybe not, you know, it's it's not. Sometimes sometimes smaller teams can have a big result, you know, uh, in, in a European competition. It's, it's just every game is unique, you know, and, you, you know, a, a decision goes your way, a penalty, you know, a VAR, whatever decision, that can totally, you know, swing the dynamic of a game in your favour and you get a goal like they did and then get a second goal straight away, then, you know, it's, it's sort of dreamland stuff, and we were 2-0 up at the San Siro, we just didn't know how to handle the game after that, and, and obviously couldn't cope with the, the onslaught from from Milan, um, but Bodo Glimt, I, I, my only, if, we, if I'd have been on here last Thursday, I would have probably been saying, the fact that they haven't played, you know, and it's their pre-season, is surely something that would we, play into our hands, that, would still cut I mean, I wasn't. There's no way I was going into last week's game thinking, oh, two three 0 tonight. Oh, it should be fine now. Like absolutely no way, because you're aware of what they've done, and, and you're aware that they're a decent outfit. And uh, you know, we've also seen Celtic in Europe so many times, so you'd never go into any European game really thinking we're gonna we're gonna destroy them or anything like that. But I think tonight, somebody mentioned earlier on about two 0 and going to extra time. I think if we can keep a clean sheet and get to 2-0, you know, hopefully our fitness would tell if it did go to extra time, you know, because mm. uh, I, I don't really think that they have maybe the fitness levels to, to keep going, uh, you know, at this stage, you know, cause, cause they've not got loads of games under their belt. Simple fact. It's not as if they're, you know, going to be on the, the same level as us in terms of their fitness. So, That's how I would see it tonight. But with regards to a weekend team, absolutely no way. Like it's got to be, it's got to be all guns blazing tonight. See, I look at
3: last week, and um, you know, I've said about Jim's kind of attitude against uh, you know playing the strongest side in Europe, but I also take a lot from the way that Jim looks at um, scenarios and, and defeats and outcomes and the margins. JP and I've mentioned a few times that I look at that game, and we were miles off what we would expect from Celtic. We weren't, we weren't great on the night, yeah. but we've got a deflected goal against yeah. us. Um And there's two occasions where, uh, barring marginal offside decisions, their goalie's getting a red card and we're getting penalties. So, yeah. you know, we might have come away with a 2-2. You just, you know, find, fine margins. And I think yeah. that we definitely have a goal in us, like we say, and I'll keep talking while JP deals yeah. with that. Uh, we definitely have a goal in us. And I'm going to actually read out The team that I would play, and I want to know, everyone who's uh, tuning in, if you you agree or disagree with this. this is almost like a hybrid of resting a few of the players, but for two reasons, JP. Resting the players so that we've got a strong bench, should it be required, maybe 30 minutes before the end of the game, but also with the league game. In mind, so there might be a slight contradiction in this, but the team I would start with tonight would be Hart. And please give me a shout if I've mentioned anyone who have had last minute injuries or aren't registered in the European squad, and I made a total hash of this. Uh, Hart, Ralston, Taylor, and I put an asterisk there because I want to come back to Taylor, Cameron Carter, Vickers, and Staffelt, That's the that's the goalkeeper in defence in the midfield. I'd play Hatati, McGregor, and O'Reilly, and up front it's Maeda on the left, Yakamakis and Forrest on the right. So you can see that there are certain areas of that park that maybe your first choice isn't uh, aren't being selected. Um, so I'm resting Juranovic, Jota, Abada, and Rogic with the view, as I say, that um, you know we could be one or two up. I hope, and then you've got a strong bench to go into extra time or maybe to get that de- decisive goal near the end. JP, but also we've got Hibs at Easter Road on Sunday, and you've got to keep one eye on that. And I've asked uh, Taylor. Because of the stick he came in for against uh, Borreglant last week, the question was, and I think we, we spoke about it on here, is European football a step too far for Greg Taylor? Well, no, there's only one way to find out: go and play against your opposite number who, who definitely got the better of him last week. But how is he going to learn, JP? If you just drop him, so he's got to learn. He's got to analyse that performance, and obviously, data analysis is. It's huge at all, all top clubs, so you would expect him to have looked at that uh, with the, with the team who deal with the, the data, um, the video analysis, and go up against your opposite number again and do better. And that's the way I would deal with it. As simple as that sounds, but that's that's my starting lineup. Is is that a wee bit weaker than you would expect? Uh,
1: no, I, I I don't know why, and I'm not, I'm not basing this just on his his performance when he came on. Uh, at the week did Beaton come on at the weekend? He did, didn't he? Came on in the second half against Dundee. He did, aye. I. Yeah. I, I would I would be inclined to play Beaton tonight and I and I and I, I never ever thought I would say that. Um well there you go, someone else is saying that. Jason Lee agrees with you. I wonder if it is the Jason Lee of a uh, American film uh fame. Was
3: Unlike- he in My Name is Errol?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite late Jason actually, yeah. Um yeah, but I mean I, I I I don't know why. I just think I think Beaton would he's got experience, hopefully not the experience of poking somebody in the forehead. But you know, I just think potentially that is a good idea to play him instead of um instead of O'Reilly. Uh I don't know. I I, I, I I mean, I'm not a football manager, but I I I I wouldn't be disappointed if Beaton started tonight. Put it that way, and I never thought I would say that. And it's it's it speaks volumes of of the player himself and of Postacoglu's management that I would be okay with that and quite happy with that if that happened. Um, as for Forrest starting, Michael and me were talking about this last night, um, midway through his attempts to get me to go to Norway with him. <laughs> um, and he he was you know he was saying I'd start Forrest in this game. He's, he's got he's got big game experience. He's done the business before. He's you know he's got the composure. And mm-hmm. um, you know he's scored big goals away from home in Europe. Um, he's got a point to prove as well. That can you know this type of game. If if James Forrest was to play in this game and do well, it would win a lot of people's hearts and minds back who yeah. have kind of written them off. And the same, like you say, with Greg Taylor, you know, like Greg Taylor's obviously been made a kind of whipping boy for last Thursday, and maybe Ange Postecoglou rested him on, Thursday, on Sunday with an eye on this game. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've got no doubt at all that Greg Taylor can put in a shift and hopefully answer answer some critics, but the rest of the team.
2: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet.
1: I think although Juranovic has been brilliant at right back I think Ralston showed on Sunday that his delivery into the box is 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 really <laughs> good and and he was putting balls like that in three or four of them before the eventual goal came for Jack so um because it was balls going the guy to to seats along for me was losing his mind at the fact that these balls were going into the box, and nobody was nobody was biting, nobody was gambling on them. And then finally, finally, Jack and Marcus did, and what header to 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 to, um, to to score his third goal? I mean, a left foot, right foot header. I mean, it's, it's been a while since i have seen. I Think maybe Dan Belly was the last Celtic player to the score a perfect, hit. the
3: perfect hat trick. And Declan yeah. was saying on Tuesday, JP, um, he posed the question: Who was the last number seven? Uh, to score a hat-trick for Celtic, and it was Robbie Keane. Oh. Um, and I was thinking to myself, has there been one since then at But yeah, Robbie Keane was the man. I've seen a few names getting thrown into the mix. I remember uh, we had a dead rubber against Cluj away from home, and Neil Lennon played uh, Scott Robertson, you'll remember, who's out on the loan at the moment, and uh, Karamoca Dembele, who at the time was 16. Dembele's now nineteen. Uh, and he's not really in our thoughts, is he? Uh, I've seen a lot of people mention Doc. Ben Doc came in, played a few substitute appearances. I don't, I don't think we're at that stage where you're throwing in guys with very little. I mean, Dembele's been a, in and around the team for a while, but he's got very little in, in terms of first team experience, isn't he? I, I wouldn't be throwing guys like that into the mix tonight. I, I still think there's something to play for tonight.
1: Oh yeah, no, I mean. Uh- it's I'm all for giving players' experience and things like that, but I mean this is this is a a winnable a winnable game. You know, uh, people might think because we're three one down that we've got absolutely no no chance, but I, I I think and I think especially what Callum McGregor said after the game, he said, you know, I saw enough and and uh, I saw enough of them and us tonight against each other to know that we're not out of this tie and, and we we can we can do something in in the game over there. Um conditions will play a part, of course they will. But I, I I've got confidence in in us at least giving them a game, you know, I don't think I don't think it, if we score the first goal, it's absolutely game on. I mean, but the thing is we've got we've just got to keep it tight at the back and we can allow we've 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 shipped quite a few goals recently, you know, two at Aberdeen, two on Sunday mm. against Dundee. Which was, you know, nobody would have thought we would have shipped two goals to Dundee, and we shipped three last week to them. So it's getting, we have kind of, our defence has been really good all season, despite, you know, getting pelters in the media, you know, Starfelt, Whipping Boy, all the rest of it. But we've got the best defensive record in the league, and there's a reason for that. Um, we just have to really tighten it up again. Um, we can't allow the sort of, uh, defensive errors and you know not being strong enough. Like I mean, that second goal against Dundee was just—you could totally see it coming. <laughs> it, was, it was telegraphed. I mean, it was a really, really good ball from Niall McGinn, but you just you, everybody kind of—you could feel an uneasiness around the stadium when that free kick was given because you were like, if they put a decent ball in here, there's a good chance they're going to they're gonna score, and we shouldn't be that vulnerable from. From set pieces like that I don't think so that's a key thing tonight um, and I think Hart has to be a bit more switched on as well he's been a little bit lackadaisical recently
3: a bit passive
1: yeah. a bit passive
3: the yeah. thing is you cut it out at source now again it's not an opportunity for me to have a dig at Starfield but he gave away both free kicks yeah. on Sunday JP that, that resulted in both Dundee goals yeah. so if you cut that out at source then yeah we should be dealing with the balls into the box better but you know, we don't have the ball going into the box if you don't give away the free kick. And I'm looking at some of the points coming through. Jason Lee comes back in. Um, is Liam Skills just not ready yet? And I think that this is an interesting one because this this drops into the conversation we've been having in and out of the, the podcast today, the broadcast rather, wow. um, about Celtic's European aspirations. Right? <laughs> so Robert Highland comes in. Upgrades to Taylor and Staffelt required in the summer. Right. I totally get what you're saying here, Robert, because Starfelt for me, he wasn't cheap, four and a half million quid, you know. So we paid the same for Kyogo. He wasn't cheap. He's coming as a Swedish internationalist. Um, is the jury still out on him? I don't think that he's on the same kind of level of quality as if you look at our defence as, let's say, Zhiranovic or Cameron Carter-Vickers. Mm-hmm. So could we do better? Well, do we have better? Is Julian better? I don't know yet. We don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back, JP. But yeah. if not, if Julian isn't, then I agree, yes, we could go out and, and you know, our acquisition of a centre half, I think, would be a priority. S- you know, similarly with Taylor, I've kind of stood up for Taylor there. And I, I'm thinking, how do you develop Taylor as a player? Well, put him up against the same guy, make sure he doesn't get skinned and turned inside out tonight. Yeah. If, if he proves he can't step up to that kind of point, then you've got to have an upgrade. You've got to have as strong a stronger left-back scenario as we do on the right-hand side. And, and by the way, Djuranovic is your first choice right-back every day of the week. I love Raul bits but he's your backup. And if we had a similar scenario on the left, JP, then you're looking at that team and you're thinking, right, we, we kind of mean business. Will we do it? This is the big question. And this goes back to what is the club's aspirations? Because you'd need to put, push the boat out to get I said, we're not going to get another Zhiranovic-style player for £2.7 million. That, That's an incredible bit of business. But if you're, if you're to get that level at left-back and that level at centre-half, are they two positions that Robert's highlighted? Bearing in mind, we've still got to sign Cameron Carter-Vickers and Jota. So we're talking about a huge amount of investment. If the club do that, then I think you're the real deal going into the qualifiers, if there are qualifiers, or you're, you're going into the Champions League campaign in really good shape you know, next season. And that's been the biggest issue for me. We've always um, gone in unprepared and it's normally been for qualifiers, Jake. We've just not been prepared. And then we get knocked out by teams that we sometimes even proved later on in the season were better than because we've met them in other competitions later on and we've beaten them. So I think the point Robert makes is a very good point. If we really were to push the boat out and get that level of left-back, centre-half and do deals for Cameron Katta, Vickers and Jota... That's a team. That's a team to be reckoned with. I'm not saying we're going to win anything in Europe, but at least we'll put a good account of ourselves over. The big question for me is: Do the club share that ambition?
1: Well, I mean, if if Postikoglou <clears throat> if Postacoglu wants something, I think this is just my thoughts, but I think that the club will entertain whatever that is because it seems to be that that's how the way things have gone so far um, in terms of you know our. You know, I want these three guys to come in from Japan. I want them to be ready for the start of the transfer window to come in, hit the ground running, have trained through that winter break and, you know, contribute straight away. You know, we we can certainly make a point about a couple of players elsewhere who haven't really contributed elsewhere, whereas we've got guys who've got several games under their belt now and are integrated into the team. Uh, as first team players, you know, Hatati comes in straight away as a first team player. O'Reilly comes straight away as a first team player. Edukichi's been unfortunate with with injury. Maeda first team player. These guys haven't just come and then sat in their track suits and we've wondered, oh, wonder what they will be like. They've just come straight in and started playing in the first team um, because we needed it. Because, like you said, we were playing Joey Dawson when Kyogo went off injured in at Mcdermott Park. So um, these guys have come in and. That's on his say so. So if he turns around to Michael Nicholson, Banky or whoever, and says, "Right, I want, I want left back, and I want this guy, and it costs five and a half million or whatever," mm-hmm. to go and get him. Simple as that. You know, I don't, I, I don't think we're really in a. We don't. We cannot be in a position to have a guy who is idolised by the support as much as Posticoglu is right now, and continues to be. We can't have a, a position where he's, you know, throwing words into his post-match uh, pressers like terminado and things like that. You know, we can't, we can't, we can't have, we can't have that happen. No, we've got, we've got to keep this guy happy because he's delivered so far. We've got one cup in the in the in the cabinet, and we're aiming for another two. So, you know, it's as simple as that. You know, we've got to match the manager's ambition because he's delivered enough so far to show that he's worth matching the ambition. You know, it's not, it, he's, there's no way this guy's a fraud. The guy, he's, he's, he's absolutely done, done the business and there's people I know that didn't think we would be anywhere near where we are right now and uh, I'm talking about Celtic fans. Mm. Um, you know, older than me and have seen things more than I have and they're, you know, having to, not eat humble pie, but you know, they're, they're kind of uh, a bit blown away by, by by what we've done so far. And uh, we're in a strong position and you, you all, we've always complained in the past about not building on positions of, when we've been in a position of strength, we haven't capitalised on it. I.e. Martin O'Neill post-Seville um, and potentially, oh, well, definitely Brendan Rodgers as well because all these players that he earmarked have gone on to do pretty well, you know. Um Guys that he wanted in at Celtic, um, be it Castagna or Mm. you know there are others. (laughs) Many. Uh, No, I I agree
3: with that. I think that it comes to that point that there was the famous or infamous conversation that Martin O'Neill had on the plane coming back from a three nothing scalping against Shakhtar Donetsk, where he mapped out um, what he wanted for the following season and I think it, it probably would have cost the club in the region of 20 million quid plus wages and mm-hmm. the club were like that's not going to happen but we're not going to take that next step you know um, mm-hmm. and I think that we're probably uh, 20 million pound 20 years ago was a lot of money it's still a lot of money to Celtic to now because if you're thinking Carter Vickers Jota you're probably looking at between 12 and 14 million quid in transfer fees for those two players. And if you're going to try and get an upgrade on and Taylor, as Robert suggested, we're talking £5 million each. So you are talking that that kind of figure. Are the club willing to do that? We're in financial health, good financial health. One last thing to consider, JP, before we go and enjoy the lead up to the game tonight. Um, in the news this week, we've had a couple of left-backs um, in the, the news, Tierney has been the subject, Kieran Tierney's been the subject of a potential fifty million pound move to either Real Madrid or Barcelona, depending on which reports you read. I think we've got a sell-on. I hope we've got a good sell-on on Tierney. And in the same week, Balling Golly is um loaned out to the Russian Premier League. Balling Golly, you know, in essence, was you know, people going about Taylor being the replacement for for uh Tierney, but mm-hmm. you look at the obviously the, the chronology of that as well and um, uh, the timeline of that rather. We bring in Bolingoli, I think he cost us about three and a half million quid, three million yeah. pounds, right? And you've seen what, what kind of level of quality or not he has been. Is that indicative of mm-hmm. our lack of ambition? We've gone from a player like Tierney who we knew he was going to go on to greater and bigger and better things. that We discussed it on Axel after the left. A player like Tierney uh, getting spoke about in the £50 million bracket and the one we've kind of brought in is Ball and Golly, who we can't get rid of quickly enough because we basically bought someone who was substandard. And yeah, I, listen, had he behaved differently, we might have been talking differently about him. JP, I totally get that. But... If we're talking quality and the gap between Tierney and Bonagli that, that's how far we dropped in that one position you know we've since brought in various other left backs who are nowhere near Tierney either but is that indicative of how our ambition has been minimized over the last few years
1: i think it's indicative of how poor our recruitment's been you know i, I think potentially whoever signed bonagli whoever put their you know signature on that contract Genuinely thought that Ballengali was going to come in and do a good job and be a week in, week out player for Celtic for the next two or three seasons. That's the that's the problem is is that whoever was 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 signing those contracts and 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 signing, you know, Albion Ayeti, Barca's Ballengali. I think the Shane Duffy thing, you know, I, I I think that was an anomaly in that you know a guys playing Premiership football now and. Maybe just was was the wrong guy in the wrong film um, last season. You know, I, I think if Shane Duffy was to come back to Celtic, that's not going to happen. But if he was to come back to Celtic, I think you would see a different Shane Duffy in this environment that we're in now, and, and certainly in the dressing room environment as well. <clears throat> but Kieran Tierney, I mean, it was I watched him every week. It was it was a once a once in a generation player, uh, and you just knew that he was going to go on to to bigger things. If bigger things is Barcelona or Real Madrid, then that's dream stuff for him, I would have thought. You know, what players in our lifetime have gone on, apart from Larson, obviously, but what players, Scottish players, have gone on to play for Real Madrid or Barcelona? Not many. (laughs) Um, I really hope, hope it's Barca over Madrid you know, just for obvious
3: so reasons. So do I, JP. I'm thinking Steve Archibald. I'm thinking yeah. Stevie Archibald, right? Um Who was the kid that played for Real Madrid? Was it... It wasn't Cameron Harper. He was the one that played for Celtic. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a Scottish kid out there for some reason. I don't think he played first team.
1: Um, aye, aye. I can't remember his name, but yeah, he was like in the, the reserves or whatever. I don't, think he ever, I don't think he ever got a first team game, but see if you're talking 50 million for Tierney, that... That just shows you that the market is not what it was, you know, two years ago. Because mm. there's no way Kieran Tierney is fifty million. You're saying that he's only worth double what they paid for him.
3: Um, what What I like about it, JP, is that no longer will Oli Burke be the most expensive Scottish footballer in the history right. of football. That's because so- at the moment, that is the case. If you accumulate yeah. all transfer fees,
1: he was one of the goalscorers in that game three years ago. Today. Uh, 24th of February 2019. The scorers were, I think it was Sinclair. Eddie got two, and Buck. <laughs> this was the was the fourth the fourth goal scorer.
3: But, you know he's he's still only about 24 years of age. Oli Burke yeah. still a young guy born in Kokori. Uh, incidentally, a very wealthy man, no doubt. I bet he is. Absolutely. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been two weeks since I spoke to you, JP, so it's been brilliant to get you back on the show. Enjoy the game uh, wherever you watch it tonight, JP and everybody else who's tuned in on the uh, socials and also on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, keep it in mind you get on there and subscribe. Also, download the app uh, Who Knows Wins underneath here. You're going to be faced with uh, some Axon contributors in there. Uh, there's a week kind of top 10 picks league that we are going to be telling you loads more about. Uh, We might actually have a weekly show um, based on that on a Friday night. So look forward to that as well. If you are on YouTube, make sure you subscribe because we've got some big videos. The St Mary's one's the next one up. It's going to be tremendous. Loads of sessions as well.
1: I'll be through on Saturday as well uh, for a... a, uh yeah. To say yes. Uh, yes,
3: you can. You 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 will be teaming up with Paul Sheridan of The Wakes, but yes. not for a session, but for something that's slightly different. It's I, uh, sell the
1: jerseys. Yeah, I look forward to being on uh, Paul's show. Uh, I've known Paul a long, long time actually through uh, Scott Purchison of friend Rabbit. Paul and Scott were were friends um, at art school, so I've known Paul and known off Paul for a long, long time, and uh, he's a good guy, and we're both. Uh, Mad Celtic fans, mad St. Paulie fans, uh, and uh, yeah, I look forward to talking about football strips with Paul. <laughs> <Love it. laughs> Some Love people it. like turn turn off. I, I remember comments when we start talking about strips, and people were like, "Oh God, what are they talking about football strips for?" And it's just like, well, you know, it's part of our culture. Part it of is. Our, you know. So,
3: uh, and it's great. The, the nostalgia thing's brilliant. Paul, as well, has been a tremendous musician, a really, really sound guy. He's a great artist. He's one of these guys who seems to be just good at loads of different things, JP. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that on Saturday, and um, we'll pull that together, and that will be out on the channel as well. So get subscribing. There's loads of great, um, mm-hmm. there's loads of great content on there. Absolutely studs, Lanigan, the Wakes. Yeah, get them on if you haven't listened to the Wakes. Thanks everybody for getting involved, and thank yeah. you to JP Mason for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.